The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the first edition of Bruce the Sports Talk and Spencer the Wizard. We now permanently relocate ourselves in Wiz City. Spencer has graduated. We wanted to thank Perry Damone for all the great work he did on the Kids Network. And he got his promotion. And he's now a charter member on Voice America Sports. Welcome, Spencer. Well, again, I just want to relay the message. Um, you know, it's an unbelievable honor uh, to even be selected to the uh, Voice America Kids Network. And I made some great memories with the Voice America Kids Network times. I'll, you know, remember <clears throat> for a long time. And, you know, this is an emotional day. And, um, you know, I'm thankful that, uh, you know, Bruce the Sports Doc, my dad, you know, we live under the same roof. And, you know, he was willing to uh, to make me now his uh, his new uh, guest host. And uh, it's great to be co-hosting Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard. And again, with Perry Damone, um, it's going to be great. Um, he, he was such a great mentor to help me get started at the Voice America Kids Network. And I look forward to working with him more Um you know, just because I'm now working at the sports department doesn't mean that Perry will, you know, not be helping me. He's still going to be helping me. We still will be communicating. And uh, I just want to thank him again. So it's just a great honor to be here. And a welcome to the city of Wiz. Well, this is going to be a great mix of different things. We're going to start off with Tebow mania. The timing is perfect. Tim Tebow came to the New York Jets. And I counted today exactly 41 times at his press conference. Spence, you were in school today, but I actually... 45. Okay, he said 45. But actually, he said, I'm so excited to be here in New York. So, obviously, New York is a big apple. It's the media center of the country and of the world. And for Tebow to come to the Jets with Rex Ryan... I think there's so much excitement. Uh, I, I, it's really going to be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. So what do you project? What is the role that Tebow is going to be playing for the Jets? 
Well, I, I think that Tim Tebow right now, with Tony Sperano in Miami, he ran a wildcat. He was really one of the first coaches in the NFL to really make the wildcat a popular play. And with Chad Pennington at quarterback, they had Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown, two capable running backs that are solid NFL running backs. And Ronnie Brown actually was a pretty decent passer. And he was really a great thrower as a running back. So I remember Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams would be in the backfield in the shotgun together and they'd be running the wildcat and they'd either hand it off or fake hand it off it would be like an option pitch or sometimes you know even occasionally Ronnie Brown would throw the football down the field to either Williams or another wide receiver so Sperano is kind of a wildcat guru and he really made it popular in the NFL game the wildcat the usage of it and Tim Tebow last year you saw him in Denver Denver really modified its offense to fit Tebow and Tebow at Florida and in Denver was was very successful at at the option um it's actually called a uh a, 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 a pre-read actually I think it's called a um, a pre-snap option where Tebow gets the snap and then he looks at the linebacker to see if the linebacker will go to him or the running back and then he has to make a split second decision whether to hand the football off to the running back or fake the handoff and then plow ahead himself so you've probably seen him do the option out of the shotgun a lot so I think Tebow will be used in the wildcat probably 15 times a game but I expect Mark Sanchez to still be the quarterback who who drops back and throws the football. Well, I agree. I think that uh, Tebow will be in the Wildcat. There will be a lot of trick plays where Tebow um, may even be on the field with Sanchez, where Tebow might uh, be getting a pitch. Uh, He might throw the ball. They might use him. I mean, I haven't seen this yet. I don't know if Tebow's ever caught the ball, but you know, he certainly has size like a tight end. Maybe they could use him like a tight end. Have they ever used him as a tight end? I don't know if he's ever played tight end uh, in his career. Maybe in middle school football, but I knew I know that. In, uh, <laughs> I can't go back into the archives to find that one out, but I know that um, he he actually transferred to Nice High School in in high school to be a quarterback and. Uh, I, I just couldn't really imagine. Well, as a tight end, he he does have the size. He actually has fullback size. He's probably two hundred and thirty pounds. You'd say a full muscle. Two hundred and fifty pounds. 200, yeah, two hundred. He's a, he's a bull. He, he bulldozes linebackers in the NFL. You saw him do it last year. He's very athletic. He works hard, so he could play tight end. But that's probably not what he wants to do. And also, um, a, a very. Um, Actually, a point that should be well noted is if he does play tight end or fullback, that should, and you as a doctor will know this, it should shorten his career maybe by seven years if he actually plays consistently as a tight end or a fullback or if he's treated as a running back because those cumulative hits um, should take effect on him in Sanchez, whereas he'll be he'll be getting sacked, but um, it's not like he's running it or catching the football. So, um, wh- wh- what do you think about um, about Tebow at another position? Like, don't don't do you think that it will like? Do you think he will enjoy it one, and will it maybe slow down like his career? Do you think he'll be getting a little banged up each year? Well, firstly, I don't imagine him permanently switching positions. So I'm not at all suggesting that he's going to not play quarterback and play tight end. 
I'm saying that they have a lot of flexibility. They can move them around. And as far as the hits, you know, you got guys like Hernandez and Gronkowski, big guys like that, they're usually pretty punishing. They actually deliver the blows a lot, and they're up against smaller defensive backs. So as a quarterback now, I think he takes a lot of hits. He almost runs an option like like a like a wishbone or like an Oklahoma offense. Yeah. So I think Tebow takes a lot of hits. He's he's very big and he's very strong. And who knows the effects, you know, the cumulative effects. Right. And today during Tebow's press conference, I'd say that the questions were mostly centered towards how is he going to be um, working with Mark Sanchez as he's the quarterback? How is all the how is he going to handle all the attention in media? I thought the questions were solid today, but um, a question that I would have asked if I were in the media would be would be this question. Um, I would have said, Tim, would you rather start at quarterback for the majority of the games this year? and finish up as AFC runner-ups and lose in the AFC championship game as the starting quarterback for most of the season? Or would you not take a snap all year at quarterback and watch your team win a Super Bowl with Mark Sanchez? How do you think Tebow would answer that question? Be the starter and be successful, not win a Super Bowl, or 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 be a backup and not take any snaps and win the Super Bowl? What would you How would he answer that? Well... I actually watched the press conference today, and he was asked a question similar to that. And the answer, and the question was really, do you want to be a starter, or are you going to be able to handle being a backup? And he answered the question honestly. He said, I don't think there's a player in the league who doesn't want to be on the field. Not one of them. And, however, I will do everything I can to support my teammates. So, the real answer to the question is, I, I don't think he's not going to play any snaps. If he's healthy, he's going to play. You know, he's going to be on the field for maybe minimum of ten snaps a game, much like Michael Vick would come on when McNabb was there. He came on to accent, you know, for for third down plays, wild card plays, uh, much like the uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Jets with their um, kick returner. What was his name? Who is also the Wildcat? Leon Washington? Not Leon Washington. The Jets kick. No, the guy was a quarterback who actually. Brad Smith. Brad Smith. Yeah, Yeah. Brad Smith for the Jets. Perfect example. Uh, Real quick, uh, you know, very successful. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times he would just take a snap. He would just take a snap and go. And I think Tebow could do the He's same. One of the best, actually, in, in, in our era of running the Wildcat, you know, in this recent, you know, football era. One thing I think that. Tebow has work. He he has you know, he has to develop a better throwing motion. He's he 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 made a lot of progress. In fact, I was watching Sports Science, and they actually went over his uh, his release and they timed it, you know, in college and, and, and they timed it as a pro. So he has improved his release. It's much quicker, but his mechanics. A lot of times, if he's under pressure, he'll revert back to his old throwing motion which will be a slow, very inefficient motion. So I believe that they are going to – Tebow has to continue improving his throwing. It's a work in progress. And re- whether or not he plays or starts or anything, he has to improve that because, frankly, that's why Elway got rid of him. He knew that, that Tebow just didn't have it to be a consistent quarterback and to throw – to have a high completion percentage. And that 
has to do in part with his mechanics and part, I believe, due to the orb strength. Well, t- to get better at anything in life, you 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 have to re- you have to rep something. You have to practice it. I mean, it's very rare to just be naturally so talented that you don't have to rep it. And if you're going to take your game to the next level, you have to practice and execute that part of, that part of your game. And for Tebow. Everyone says that he has to be a better passer and he has to get more accurate with the football and be able to make crisp throws. Well, the problem is now with the Jets is that, as we've mentioned, his role, if they're going to be a playoff contender in a team and if he's going to support Mark Sanchez, he's going to be a wildcat quarterback. And the thing that I that is a big problem for Tebow is that when he gets to Jets training camp, I believe that Tony Sperano might just have him running options all the time. And instead of throwing football after football after football after football, he's going to be just steamrolling ahead and just running the football and not actually working on his mechanics as a passer. He's going to be like a running quarterback, strictly running quarterback. And he might actually get worse at throwing this year. Um, Because in Denver, when he was the starting quarterback, he was forced to throw the football a lot in practice. And, you know, Pretty much Tebow, like during the last season, he would only get to throw eight or ten. Some games he would not even throw ten passes a game. So we got to see probably a cameo performance of what Tebow can do. Now he had a great game versus Pittsburgh. And in Denver they ran that option like every other play. I'd say that uh, if you have three downs to try to get a first, two of those downs would be running. So the, 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 the coordinator was overly conservative. He didn't treat Tebow as if he was Kyle Orton or a regular quarterback. So I think that Tebow with the Jets is probably going to get worse at throwing the football. And I want to know if Tebow really desires to be a throwing quarterback or just another wildcat quarterback. And I I believe that Tebow with his motion needs to actually practice. And what do you think, Bruce, uh, about like about Jets training camp? Will he be preparing as if he's a throwing quarterback or strictly a running quarterback? And how will Tebow deal with his job? Well, we've gotten so deep into Tebow mania that we've gone past the break and, uh, Stay tuned. We're going to talk about uh, NCAA. We're going to talk more Tebow and a lot of exciting topics. Stay tuned. See you in three. Your internet flagship station for sports. America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur
amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. school to the pros we we cover everything everything. let your voice be heard voice america sports you are listening to bruce the sports doc with dr bruce grossinger if you have a question or comment about today's program please call in at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc with co-director, producer, and, of course, co-host, Spencer the Wizard. We bring two worlds class. One is a world of sports medicine, education, and the other, of course, is pure fun, and that's analysis, breakdown, going deep, peeling back the layers of the onions, and that's what Spencer does best. So this new segment, I'm going to take the lead, and I want to talk a little bit about Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall is the point guard of the UNC Tar Heels. He heroically came back from scaphoid pinning surgery. A screw was put in. And he only wore the cast for a couple days. He then moved to a split. And the whole question was, was he going to be able to come back for Kansas? They said that he actually practiced the two days leading up to the uh, game. Then they had basically a meeting with five people. It was his parents, Kendall Marshall's two parents, Kendall himself, the athletic trainer of UNC, and Roy Williams. And they decided what was going to be their criteria of him playing. Number one is whether he would be in too much pain to play. Number two, whether he'd be able to be effective. And when they met and they went over it and they went back and forth, they realized that he couldn't play. And he admitted that he couldn't really dribble the ball and he couldn't really pass the ball. So the fact, even though it was his non-dominant right hand, a scaphoid fracture usually takes at least three to six weeks before a patient can start returning back to training. So the idea of him waiting only 10 days was just out of the question. And and he was gave to even practice. But, you know, the, the what, what is the downside to playing with this? It's called an avascular necrosis. The bone uh, has such a – the scaphoid bone and the, and the carpal bones have a very poor blood supply. So if you put a, an athlete in a position – they could actually uh, develop, the bone could actually die because of bad, you know, if there's swelling there, um, low blood flow, and he could actually need to have the bone removed. If that were to happen, it could really threaten his career. So it was sad. UNC uh, played well. They hugged in with the Jayhawks until the end of the game, and uh, Stillman White was, uh, was much better in this game than Ohio U. Ohio U almost pulled an upset. But in this case... It really wasn't Stillman White's fault. 
I, I really think it was the, the other horses for UNC. They really didn't step up, and I thought Kansas really elevated their game. And uh, it's interesting that, that Spencer, Spencer the Wizard, my son, um, has, has you know enjoyed going to various basketball camps across the country. He actually spent a summer at UNC. He also spent time at Kansas University with Bill Self, and he also last summer spent time here in Philly at Villanova Basketball Camp. So I think he really got an insight into these various programs. And we were watching UNC play Kansas. Uh, a lot of our a lot of our best friends, including I should give a shout out to the Kaminsky's, are big UNC people. We were wearing our UNC shirts, and we were sad to see uh, Kansas pull away. So with that, talked a little about scaphoid fractures, treatments, pinning, splinting, all that. And let's uh, let's get into uh, the analysis of that UNC Kansas game, and let's roll into Final Four preview. Well, it was a great weekend for college basketball, and yesterday was a really fun day. Uh, as Bruce the Sports Doc mentioned, I had uh, connections to both universities. I went to uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, in uh, in seventh grade, I believe, uh, for for the basketball camp, and they might I think they beat Illinois that year and won the national championship. And uh, I actually got to practice in the Dean Dome, but underneath, um, they actually have their practice facility is right underneath the main floor and it's so cool you go in there and you go down you you go down these uh you go down the elevator and uh down to the uh down to the uh ground level and there they have an air conditioned air conditioned replica of the uh, of the actual court upstairs where the, where the actual, uh, seats in the stadium and the bleachers are, auditorium is. So, um, that, that was a lot of fun. And then in, uh, at Kansas, I also got to see, um, you know, I got to see Lawrence, Kansas. I got to see, um, Allen Fieldhouse and Bill Self. It was so funny. I got to take a picture of both coaches. Roy was very nice. And I got to take a picture of Bill Self. And I remember Bill Self, um, telling me, like, I, I was in seventh grade at this time and he said um wow man you're rocking a full mustache and uh and i'll always remember that and i'll be like yep that's right and then i said to him like you probably don't see many mustaches on these middle school kids <laughs> so um so that was a pretty unique and original experience and for him to say that to me it was just a funny line that i'll remember and uh bill self was just a really cool guy um so now analyzing the game two heavyweights in unc in kansas and they have met before especially in Final Fours and Elite Eights because usually Kansas and UNC are one and two seeds in the NCAA tournament. And this was a tough matchup for UNC and Kansas is a very unique team because not only do they have Thomas Robinson who's one of the best prospects in college basketball for the pros he's one of the most athletic guys he's so explosive as a big man as and he can really stretch the floor of his jump shot he can block shots he's just an unbelievable athlete not many holes in his game he's a tremendous player but they also have Winfrey Jeff Whiffy um, who's who's a big 
big, tall seven footer um, inside. He 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 just also blocks shots. So they have two twin towers in there. Strong seven foot guys, and Winfrey is pretty much he's the X factor, and he really came on during Big Twelve play this year. So for Tyler Zeller, who's a little thin, has a great jump shot, and is very crafty in the lane. He was going up against twin towers, and so was Johnny Henson. And to give Henson credit, those guys are a little bit thinner than the Kansas guys by built, and they were sinking outside shots in the first half, but in the second half, it was just hard to get inside baskets for, for the two UNC big guys, and, and Kansas really controlled the paint. Um, you look at guard play also, I'd say that Tyshawn Taylor um, on Stillman White was an advantage for Kansas. I'd also say Elijah Johnson was hitting big three-pointers for Kansas, so Johnson and Tyshawn Taylor are two money are two money guards and Relaford also is a great defender who really was locking on Harrison Barnes and uh and Relaford's not gonna get a lot of the credit but uh but he really should for that victory because he really played great defense he's one of the best defenders in the game and people should really cherish the defense rather than just the scoring of Thomas Robinson but Relaford was a beast out there um and I just wanted to, you know, talk about um, with Bruce the Sports Sock real quick. You know, Harrison Barnes went off for like 12 points at the end of the first half. He looked like a streaky scorer. Um, What do you think was the problem with UNC? Because in the last four minutes, when it came down to half-court basketball, they just didn't have a go-to player in Kansas. Had They threw it down low to Robinson and Winfrey, and uh, and they were able to kick out to shooters and Taylor and Johnson and Relaford. So those big guys inside really created half-court offense, and they were a lot crisper in their offense. What do you think UNC's offense could have done better? Well... If you were to, you know, we we've um, we obviously saw the game, and I've also had a chance to to replay the end of the game because I wanted to be able to answer that question. If you look at the game, uh, a guy named Bullock, who Reggie Bullock, uh, not good with first names, uh, was tremendous in the Ohio U win. He was money. At the end, with the shot clock running down, he was hitting NBA three pointers. And I think he was the MVP in that game. In this game, unfortunately, there were three major plays. There were two giveaways where essentially Bullock threw it cross-court. It got stolen, and it went for easy layups for Kansas. And also one play, if you remember, Henson was dribbling the ball. He dribbled it off his foot. And a lot of times when he goes off somebody's foot, it's usually a kicked ball. It's usually uh, stoppage of play. But when you dribble it off your own foot and you're unlucky enough to have the ball actually roll to the other player, uh, that was Kansas got an easy layup, a dunk, I think, on that play. So you think about it, there are three possessions at the end of the game where these usually reliable players gave up the ball. I also think that Kansas, one of Kansas's strength is the perimeter defense. They really closed out Harrison Bards. They, they did not give him good shots. I also thought Zeller, you know, like you said, he was he was physically, you know, outmanned. He in the second half he was just kind of hanging out around the foul line, whereas in other games he was so much taller that that they would work it into him for easy moves around the basket. I think that that Roy realized that they were up against huge guys and they didn't want it. He had some fouls in that game, I believe. I think he had at least two or three. 
So, it, you know, and also another thing, Stillman White, he, I think he's a good passer, a good dribbler, but he, I don't recall him making any shots. In the, I think he had one layup, one good layup. But they really did not respect his shot. So what, what Kansas did was they, they sagged on the other four players. They, they kind of went into a box. And they and they totally shut down <clears throat> the inside game, and they dared Stillman White to take the outside shot, and he it, he did take it a few times, and and uh, it didn't make it. So in any event, that segment went by pretty fast. In any event, uh, up here, Bruce's Sports Stock, Spencer the Wizard. Hope you're having fun. Stay tuned. See you in three. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard. And we are solidly entrenched in Wiz City. Wiz City is in a very unique place. It is rather one-dimensional, and it deals primarily with sports, sports, and of course... More sports. Wiz City is a it's a place where it's just all fun, all relaxation, and uh, and people should just kick back. And uh, wherever you're listening to the show today, just chillax. You know, probably take a pina colada. It is springtime around here, and uh, to just enjoy some sports. And it's pretty much a, a beautiful world. It's it's pretty much like a. All my hobbies just mixed in the one city, and and same with Bruce the Sports Doc. It's pretty light, it's pretty mellow here, and uh, and I hope you're endo- enjoying the show today. Well, we uh, just to recap the show, we began by talking about Tebow, Tebow mania, Tebow flying with the Jets, and today's press conference. Second, we talked a little bit about sports medicine. We talked about scaphoid fractures. Just to review that, scaphoid bone is a bone in the wrist. It has uh, 80% blood supply by the radial artery. And you might ask, why did Kendall Marshall have the surgery? 
Well, the reason is because that helped accelerate his recovery. And that is true. If you put a screw in that bone, it heals faster and you could return to play. Now, who knows? If UNC would have beat Kansas, there's a chance that Kendall Marshall would have been able to play. That's why I went through the surgery. What's the rehab? Basically increasing the range of motion in the wrist. And that's called a scaphoid fracture. Other famous players who have had scaphoid fractures. Kenny the Jet Smith had a scaphoid fracture. And how did he do that? Exactly the way Kendall Marshall did it. You, you go flying on an outstretched head, and bang, you, uh, you break a bone in your wrist. And it's, scaphoid is one of the most common fractures. And also, David Beckham, you know, I think the best soccer player in the world, he was falling in soccer. Same thing, outstretched hands, uh, broke his scaphoid bone, fractured it, underwent surgery, and obviously he's totally fine now. But one thing great about soccer is you don't have to use your hands that much unless you are, unless you're, of course, Spencer the Wizard <laughs> in, in first balls. grade. Unless you're going to block it. Hey, man, I was a good defender. I would toe blow it out of the zone. I, I, I did have a hat trick. I remember that. That's right. Spencer, just like the old field goal kickers used to uh, kick it straight on, straight through, not soccer style. That was Spencer's style. He'd kick it straight on. But he used to call Bigfoot because he used to be able to kick it, you know, really far, you know. Make the coaches run out. But nonetheless, uh, enough, of, enough about us. It's time to do, as we are on the eve of the preview, New Orleans. NC, double A. Preview. Final Four style. Which game? New Orleans. Louisiana. Who dat? 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 Who's going to come on the show next time? <laughs> Maybe Sean Payton because he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> he's got no job. <laughs> he's Sean got no Payton's job. Right here. Interesting rumor. He's got a free seat next to us, actually. He could be a new member of the Grossinger family. Newsflash. Uh, just as a newsflash, a little bit of a buzz today in the newspaper where they were talking that Bill Parcells might come back and fill in for Sean Payton. That is for the year. Now, what is the main reason? Here's the quiz for you, Spencer. Put you on the spot. All right. What do you think the main reason why he would not come back? Why why is that? I could read your mind. We didn't even prepare this before the show, but I believe that that Bill Parcells would come back because because one Sean Payton, actually, this is going back a little bit in the history books for y'all, actually, today, and I should notice being a Giants fan, I'm wearing a Giants shirt right now, is that Bill Parcells, when he was the head coach, Sean Payton was the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants, so they do have that relationship. Bill Parcells, right now, is looking for his third Super Bowl. He, he, he likes Drew Brees, he knows Drew Brees very well, and he obviously has the coaching pedigree to lead this team for a year. He's, he's one of the, I think he's one of the best coaches in, in NFL history, and uh, that, that I think, would be my answer. Okay, so that's the reason why, and again, I may have misspoke, that would be the reason that would compel Parcells to come back as a coach. However, there, there are two factors where he would not come back as a coach. Your question to me? I'm going to give you the first one because I, I, you know, I don't think you would get this. The first one is that Sean Payton is appealing his suspension, and he's hoping that he can get the suspension reduced to maybe 
you know, only an eight-game or six-game suspension and be able to come back and finish the year and coach in the playoffs. I think that's very unlikely. I think it's a long shot. But I don't think Bill Parcells would come back if it was going to be less than a year stint. And finally, here's the question. What's the main reason why people believe that Bill Parcells will not, will not return, will not come back to coach? And uh, let's see if you could pick this out. I'll give you a clue. Well, I mean, I think Bill – well, this this is part of my answer. I think that Bill Parcells is enjoying his job as an analyst. I think he's enjoying time away from the game. Um, I think he really enjoyed the 90s and the 80s with the New York Giants. And I think that Bill Parcells – if you're a head coach for a year, I mean, like, Bill Parcells is such a, is such like, he's one of the best coaches in NFL history. He won two Super Bowl championships, probably even more. Um, why would you want to just come back for a year? I mean, if you're a young coach that, that's like, that, that's a college football coach, you would take the money of, of coaching the New Orleans Saints for a year, but it's an interim head coach. Underline the phrase interim. Now, if you're Bill Parcells, you have that kind of pedigree. Would you want to just come in for one year? How could you build chemistry with the guys? How could you build a franchise? You know, a coach is looking to help revamp a franchise, be there for a long term, like let's say an Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, or, um, or another example, Marvin Lewis, you'd want to go in there and, and be able to um, t- to look at this franchise and be able to build on it and to improve from year to year. And from being a one coach head, from being a head coach one year, it's a very unique experience. Well, the answer is, according to as they say, unnamed anonymous sources who are close to Parcells, one of the biggest things with Parcells is that. He anticipates being elected to the Hall of Fame. And it's sad when somebody, you know, he is approximately, I think he's about 64 years old. I think that he wants to enjoy, you know, being in the Hall of Fame. And right now, I think he is about a year away from being eligible for the Hall of Fame. So what I understand is insiders like Adam Schefter and uh, Chris Mortensen have stated that because of the unusual circumstances with Sean Payton, this is a very unusual thing. It's never really happened before where a head coach was essentially, um, you know, had to sit for a whole year. They're going to basically petition the NFL and the Hall of Fame to enable, if Parcells takes the job, to not have it really count against them. Because here, here's the interesting rule. If you are in the front office, a general manager, anything but a, a head coach or a player, it does not reset the clock. But if you come in as a head coach and you start coaching again, it resets the clock, and that means you have to wait another uh, five years before you could be eligible. And while I don't think Bill Parcells would really share it because it would sound like he was being immodest, he he, he is a Hall of Fame coach, and, and, and he's had such an influence on the game of football that it's, a, it's really a no-brainer that he'll be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. And it'll be interesting to see if um, – if the NFL, you know, gives him a special dispensation and because he'd be coming in and filling in for a franchise in distress for one year, that they might not have it count against his Hall of Fame. So that is the answer. Well, just a quick question um, for you, Bruce Sports Doc. 
One is if Bill Parcells has a successful season, and this might include actually like if Bill Parcells wins a Super Bowl and New Orleans, the whole the fan base likes him and, and the whole team likes him and they go on to win a Super Bowl, or even maybe if he has a successful year, will they think about just putting Bill Parcells in as the premium head coach for the time being, or will Sean Payton ultimately be back after this one year? The answer to the question is that Bill Parcells will be 65 years old after this year. He's had a great career. He he loves golf. He lives in South Florida. Um, we we saw him at the Giants reunion, and much like Tom Coughlin, if he won the Super Bowl, he would be along with Tom Coughlin. You know, tied for the oldest coach to win the Super Bowl. Uh, I think he realizes that. He's not going to keep coaching, and that it's not his desire. And the only reason he'd come there is it would just be a very finite one year, give him a little renaissance, get back to coaching, a very excellent team with Drew Brees, a good defense. Now, again, they would they might lose some of the fire because they would have less bounty money. I say kidding, tongue tongue in cheek. And I believe that Kitna, not Kitna, what, what, Kitna not John Kitna. No, uh, no, John the, the line, has entered the city. No, the the linebacker, what's his name? Not kidding. No, Wilma. Uh, uh, no, Vilma. Vilma. Jonathan Vilma. Vilma, not Wilma from the Flintstones. I'd say the Kitnav would make a very good linebacker, though. They're very similar in stature. In the well, their names are very similar. So, basically, <laughs> like, uh, kinda. basically, Vilma okay. is is probably going to be out. The players have not received their shout, and you know. Um, I'd say that that now looking at it, you know, Parcells it would be very interesting if he took the job, but I'd say that there's probably a 75% chance he doesn't take the job. But it's just an intriguing storyline. I bet an assistant coach will take it. Um, so, wow, that 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 segment really flew by. I thought the second segment flew by, but once you start talking about big tuna, start landing big tuna in the big easy. We were going to talk about March Madness, but uh, we we just you know we just with City here time really flies. Uh, but we still got one more segment left, and we're going to make the most of it, baby. It's March Madness time! Oh yeah, get ready. We save the best for last. You're going to be listening to the return of Tiger Woods. You'll be listening to his winning the Bay Hill Classic, and also a big blockbuster, which will be today, Tuesday. The book is coming out. I have it on pre-order from Amazon.com. Well, and that is called The Big Miss by Hank Haney. So in any event, get ready for the tiger. And we're going to do a little tiger mania in the last segment. Stay tuned to Spencer the Wizard, Bruce the Sports Star. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Thanks, Dan. Tiger, it's been a long time. No, you won the Chevron. This guy feel pretty good, doesn't it? It does feel good. It feels uh, feels really good. Um, it's been a lot of hard work. Um, so thankful for a lot of people helping me out along the way. And uh, you all know who they are. And uh, it's been tough. Today was unbelievable. The, the conditions were rough. And uh, these pins, I mean, Arnie took it to us today. He, he put some pretty good pins out there for us. How about all these people that were pulling for you so hard? I mean, it's, it was, you could feel it. It was palpable. It was incredible. It was incredible to have that type of support here. Um, you know, I, I used to live here for a long time, and uh, it was neat to see some, some of my friends come out and, and follow from the old, from Isleworth, and um, it was just a great atmosphere all around all week. Welcome to the final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard in Wiz City. There you have it. Roger Maltby, Tiger Woods. It's been since 2009. As I turned the volume down, so we're not blowing you guys out. It has been since 2009 since Tiger has won a real meaningful PGA tournament. He had won the Chevron Challenge, which was technically not a PGA event. And... Ironically, in the last year, he had some good rounds, but he would ultimately fold in the final round. Very uncharacteristic. And the one part of his game that was very shaky was his putting. And when he, when he won all of his majors and as, even as an amateur, the one thing you could count on was rock solid putting, never missed a six footer ever. And then went through some changes with his sweet coach, Sean Foley. And uh, Tiger said that you know he's he's been focusing on hitting his drives, and, and he's actually leading the PGA Tour in driving, total driving, which means distance and accuracy. So, uh, again, I think Tiger. Well, I, I don't think Tiger is the 400-pound gorilla in 
the game of golf. He is the one who pulled the game up. It, it made it popular. He's the one who is responsible for all the big paychecks at golf. And when he was away, the, the viewers stayed away, and certainly the galleries were smaller. So now that Tiger's back and apparently healthy, it's very exciting as we look two weeks ahead to Masters Week. Spencer the Wizard is an accomplished golfer. We don't usually talk about golf, but uh, he is a uh, he, he's a high school golfer, and I know that we enjoy, you know, we have a house in Florida. We, we play a lot of golf. So I think you're in a very good position to analyze Tiger and uh, give, your, give us your thoughts on, on Tiger Woods, his return, and his chances of winning the Masters. Well, well Tiger Woods really got me inspired to, to play the game of golf. Uh, and, and from playing the game of golf and, and, you know, the listeners, you know, definitely I want to relate to you guys as well is that even if you're a really good player and, uh, I'm a pretty good player. I mean, I shoot, I shoot in the, uh, in the mid eighties to low eighties, you know, occasionally I have a great round in the seventies. Um, but from one week to the next, you can go out on a day and just play out of your mind, just play unbelievable. Be, be every phase of your game is really solid, and then you'll you can even be really confident. And then the next day you'll go out there, and you won't play anything like the day you did before, and your game will just look pretty awful. And golf is such a game where you need to be so laser focused. And you need to have confidence in every piece of your game. And, and you have to be so technical on the golf swing to execute the shots. And for Tiger Woods to really dominate the game of golf for eight years, to win 14 majors in that span of time, just, just wiping out the field every time. I've never seen someone play the game so well, but just his consistency, you know, back at, you know, in the years from 2000 to 2008 was unbelievable. And then, of course, the, the epic win he had over Rocco Mediate in the U.S. Open with his, um, bomb knee, um, was just, he just was, he was just a spectacular player. And now the last couple of years, he's been going through injury and, you know, I had to say, you know, probably with the things um, that has happened with his wife and that whole situation there, that, that it probably mentally, you know, people, um, Tiger Woods used to kind of have that innocent image about him. Everyone would be rooting for him, but a lot of people were a little bit um, taken aback when the thing about his wife came out and that whole drama. And it, it's hard to play the game when you're not fully invested in it and when your mind is elsewhere. And, and then Tiger experienced some failure and adversity, and we weren't used to seeing that because this kid always had it all, and he always made that money pop. But when he started to miss that money pot – you know, people would look back to the thing that happened with his wife or his injuries. Um, the thing about golf that's very different from, from a lot of other games is that if you have like two to three years like Tiger did of not winning a, a, a tournament or not being on top and choking in the final moments... Usually that would really damage a person's legacy or career and, and, you know, would, would not help out a career. But for golf, golf is a game where you can, 
it doesn't require it's not a contact sport and it doesn't require a lot of of running um it does require you to swing the golf club a lot but it's a sport where you can play it until you're pretty old in age till you're about 60 to 70 and that's unique say Federer didn't win a major in three years in tennis that would affect his legacy or it would affect him getting up in the all-time ranks and affecting how he finished out his career but Tiger Woods still has plenty of time and it looks like right now Tiger is coming into form um um, his irons were very under control. His putting was very good this weekend. He was nailing putts, and he had a tremendous second round. I think he shot a 63, which was just old Tiger-like, just exploding and just going off on a tangent of birdies. And that that was that was you know the old Tiger we were accustomed to. And then when he had the lead, he eased in and put a very solid one under to, to cap off his tournament. And just a, just a dominating performance. And uh, you have to look at Tiger is a favorite going into Augusta in a couple weeks, a big tournament in Georgia, and uh, you know, Augusta should be fun, but with Tiger playing this well, it should be hard to beat him. He he actually has a great chance to, uh, to win a major. Well, the flip side of this, ironically, Tiger's first win in two and a half years is the release of of the book, which is called The Big Miss, by Tiger's ex-coach, his swing coach, Hank Haney. Hank Haney actually trained him for six years. And this book that comes out, uh, there's a lot of excerpts. It appears that Hank Haney comes off looking very bitter. And he made certain points in the book that have been leaked out. Number one, Hank Haney stated that it was his decision to quit it wasn't that he was fired. He also talked about Woods' obsession with the Navy SEALs. Uh, his dad, Earl Woods, was a military man. Not surprising. And apparently he injured his knees while doing SEALs training. He also literally got hit by paintballs and w- was involved in very intensive training. It was also stated in the book that Tiger was obsessed with, with muscle building and working out and that he was, it was much harder to, uh, to teach him than back when, uh, when Butch Harmon was his coach. He had a, a, a thinner build, much more like a golfer. And that the fact that he had, that he was built like a middle linebacker made it difficult for Hank Haney. Uh, there's, there's some reviews. The most scathing review, uh, came from Rick Smith. Rick Smith is a, uh, Used to be the coach of, uh, of Phil Mickelson, and um, his coached a, a lot of, uh, of of professional players. And Rick Smith said that he believes that Hank Haney really violated the ethics of being a swing coach on the PGA Tour, and he really laid him out and said that he was it was just a money grab by Hank Haney, and that th- there's a certain degree of confidentiality if a pro lets Let's coach into the life as as Tiger did with Hank Haney, regardless of the of their breakup. For Hank to come out and write a book and tell things like, uh, basically, Tiger Woods would coach his wife on how to act after victories. It basically coached her to not show any excitement because he expected to win. That's the kind of controlling and obsessive behavior that that comes across in the book. There's also a theme of the book, again, I haven't read, but I've read a lot of excerpts, are that 
Tiger just didn't give it back. He was all about himself. He was self-centered. And how was that? How did that play out? He's he's supposedly one of the worst tippers in the world. Ironically, him and Michael George, who are very good friends, are some of the weakest tippers. And again, I believe that uh, when Hank Haney, when, when Tiger was uh, uh, was injured, he didn't pay his caddy Stevie Williams. He didn't pay him at all uh, during that time. So. People thought that was bad. Eventually, Steve Williams left and went to Adam Scott. So apparently, he was cheap. Um, he was um, not big on compliments. Like he, he basically never told Hank Haney, "I I thank you" or "I appreciate it." And apparently, that he's very self-centered and a lot about himself. N- not necessarily surprising because, t- in order to become such a champion, you have to be so focused and with a training regimen, and to be all about yourself all the time. But Hank Haney, you know, one of the themes was if if only Tiger gave something back to the people around him, only showed some appreciation, uh, that he'd be better liked, you know, by the the people in his inner circle. And apparently only his uh, his sports agent, I believe is Mark Steinberg, I believe is his name, is one of the only people that still remains in his life. Obviously, his wife is gone. She's divorced. Stevie Williams, his caddy, uh, is gone. Hank Haney, his coach, has left. And really, uh, it's a whole it's a whole new team, with respect to his his new caddy and um, whatever else is going on in in his in his private life. But in any event, I will. Uh, we did order the book. It should be arriving in the next day or two. And Spencer and I will uh, will read it. And then we will give you our review of The Big Miss, a book on uh, on Tiger Woods, on, on his swing changes, and also his life and his rise and fall. In any event, I'm going to let you do the sign-off. Uh, I want to, again, welcome Spencer as our co-host, permanent co-host on the show, uh, Bruce the Sports Stock and Spencer the Wizard. And uh, it's always good. You know, we, we usually do these segments together anyway, but now it's official that he has joined Voice America Sports. Again, uh, we want to thank Ray Ellis. We want to thank Perry Damone. We want to thank Michael Mitchell, who's our producer extraordinaire. And it's such an honor to be on Voice America Sports and to have you listeners out there, you know, following us weekly. At any event, Spetsy, why don't you sign off? Well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to the show and uh you know, for all the Wiz City fans out there, uh, it shouldn't be no, it shouldn't be a problem. You know, just to go over to the uh, to the sports page, and uh, it, you know, it's fun because usually, uh, I, I like to I like toasting Wiz City by myself, but uh, every time with Bruce the Sports Doc, it would be great because we can get a dialogue going, and uh, and it really. Uh, it gave us a lot more options, especially to make the show really funny um, when you're talking to somebody else and giving another person's input. And it's really fun to ask questions and to also give answers. So um, we really, you know, complement each other. And, um, I'm, you know, it's great to uh, it's great to be working, you know, with Bruce the Sports Doc. And I'm really excited to be on the, you know, sports network. And, um, you know, Bruce doing a great job. And uh, I just want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then.